As we mentioned earlier today, my title tonight is The God Who Shows Himself. 1 Timothy 6, verses 11 to 16 say, But as for you, a man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. It may be right now in your experience when you are in the deepest point of your need it may be that you are surrounded by a deep thick darkness and there isn't even a glimmer of light to give you hope to give you direction it may be right now that you need God to show himself as never before. If it's not now, there will come a time when you will say, it has to be God or nothing. Whatever the reality of that in your life is, I'm sure you along with me and all of us, we are looking in some way in our lives for God to show himself. At the point of our need, it may not be the point of complete and utter desperation, but there is always a sense in which we need to see more of God. And I'm delighted to tell you that God is a God who shows himself. He acted in the world on many, many occasions, and we read about it in Scripture, to show himself. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, in his defense before the Sanhedrin, the highest court of the Jews in the land reminds them that the God of glory appeared to Abraham while he's in the of Chaldees. In other words, God showed himself. We know he appeared to Moses in lots of different ways, starting from that moment in the burning bush. God showed himself. Throughout the whole of the Bible, we find God revealing himself through his word, through the prophets. Revealed himself in many, many mighty acts from the Exodus onwards. And we also know that he has revealed himself. He has shown himself 
fully and finally in the person of Jesus Christ. I love Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In our text this evening, we read of the second part of that two-stage epiphany, the appearance of Christ in his first coming, the epiphany. Then there is what we're still looking forward to and we know that the day is getting closer and closer when he will appear a second time, which will be the final unveiling of his goodness and the final demonstration of God's glory that will bring to consummation a process that is as old as time itself. Have you noticed how that God is always exact in keeping his schedule? He is always on time. Somebody said, God is never in a hurry. Not because he's slow concerning his promise, it's because he's never, never late. And I can tell you with that little bit of framework already that whatever you are going through or will ever go through or you will ever need, it's an iron-clad guarantee. God will not let you down. He will show up for you. At the right moment, according to your need, this isn't the fine print, it's still the big print. According to your need, according to his purpose, in his own way. Now that sounds like the catch. Well, God will do it when he's ready and in his own way. Sounds like a catch. It's not. It's the path to the glory of God. Remember Moses' great prayer when he was confronted by the generation of people uh, that he was leading who, who, had, who had turned their back on God and God said, you know, get out of the way, Moses. I'm, I'm going to destroy them. And Moses stood in the gap in intercession. Unlike many pastors and leaders I know, they will say, God, I'm getting out of the way. Will you please kill them all? And don't think that it, takes, it doesn't take patience. It takes an amazing amount of patience. I remember once when we were in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil, for the great marches for Jesus. Anybody been to Sao Paulo, Brazil during the march for Jesus? Some of our te team were there. And, um, you know, you just lose count. One million, two million, three million. Who really knows? But uh, the, all the streets are filled, and, and there were literally, I mean, uh, I, I would say conservatively, two million people participating across the city in that. And I looked at this great crowd, and I thought, my, 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 I feel sorry for Moses having to lead so many people. But at that point, where Moses might have been impatient, he became the intercessor of God's people and said, well, kill me if you want to. But I want, I want them to live. These are your people. Your honor, your reputation's at stake. And God said to Moses, okay, uh, I will lead you, get you to the promised land, but, but my presence will not go with you. And Moses, in the height of audacity, knowing the purposes of God, knowing the heart of God, begins to argue with God. And he said, God, 
If you don't go, we're not going. Because the only thing that is different about us is you. And then Moses prays a prayer, show me your ways. Show me your ways. The Bible says God revealed his ways to moment to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. So behind the acts of God and the manifestations of his presence and glory and victories in your life lies a wisdom, a wisdom of the ages. It's about knowing God's ways, which led him to the ultimate prayer. Show me your glory. And God showed up for Moses on that occasion. So provided we understand not just the fine print, but the but the large print, the headline message, this is not about us, ultimately it is about the glory of God. We are his people and that's the only hope that we have. He shows up at the right time. For us, many of that appears like a terrible delay. Give me patience, Lord, and give it to me now. In a world of instant everything from coffee to every other kind of dessert and fast food, we are not used to waiting. I searched in the scriptures for an extreme example of extreme agony and pain in waiting for God. And finally, I turned to Revelation chapter 6. Here the great seals are opened, and with every seal that is opened, Revelation pours forth, and the fifth seal in that heavenly revelation of John, it says... I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. The ultimate injustice that in some way enters into the very suffering and rejection of Christ, who, though he was, everything he claimed to be was rejected. There they are, crying out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long? before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. In other words, God said, yes, I will. I'll come through for you. I will vindicate you. But you must be patient. If you were only able to say, God, this is not a small condition which you put in the small print of this insurance policy that, that is a way out for you. If you could see that his will, his way, his timing is everything to do with his glory and the manifestation of his greater purposes, you will say, God, when you're ready, show yourself. Now, our passage shows us tonight a number of things. I won't say how many in case I don't get through them all and I don't want to disappoint you, but there's a few things coming. First of all, God is real. When I was reading this, I thought to myself, wow, the, the, every single thing that is said here in the verses I'm going to read are, are reasonable. They're reasonable to a rational mind who was willing to explore the nature of the universe. That he is the immortal. That he is the invisible. That he is the king of kings and lord of lords. That he is the sovereign one. 
How, how would you get that? We're reading it from scripture, but just for a moment. Imagine if all we had was reason. I'm not talking about bent, twisted, selfish reason, but the reasoning ability that God has given to us as rational beings, knowing that in our generation, the shock of all things is that scientists have come almost to the unanimous conclusion that our universe had a beginning. And you know how shocking that is to the scientific community, for they were actually on the understanding that universe always existed, and therefore it was kind of a replacement for God. But when science in its best current form says the universe had a beginning, they call it the Big Bang, which is a misnomer, but imagine what it was before the beginning of the universe. Before the beginning of space and time, before the beginning of matter and material when there was nothing but God. Who else could he be but the immortal one who is the source of all life, the invisible one that is beyond the apprehension and comprehension of our physical senses. And we could go on and develop this a great deal, which shows us that when we say God is everything that the Bible declares him to be, so much of that is rational, reasonable, and you could come to those conclusions if you had an unbiased mind and come to a kind of faith in the existence of God. But you and I know that faith is much, much more than what we can work out with reason. Faith rests not on reason alone, though it is reasonable. Faith comes from revelation. This God, though we could reasonably suppose he existed, we would never get to know him until he showed himself. Even though his fingerprints are everywhere in the world, in our minds, with our rational capacity, in every part of creation, from the tiniest detail to the greatest of magnitude, in our conscience, for every person, atheists and all have a sense of right and wrong. It's the law written in our hearts. In our emptiness, when we search for God and long for God, thirst for him. And for every thirst, there is a corresponding reality. If somebody is thirsty, it tells us that exists in this world something to satisfy, water. If we're hungry, it means that food exists. If we're longing for God, then God certainly exists. His fingerprints are everywhere. Yes, God is real. And over these months, we are inviting some of the best apologists in the world. I don't suggest that every single one of you will want to carry through this level of study uh, to the same degree. But every single one of us needs to be able to give a reason of the hope that is within us. And here it is. This world is created by a living God. We call that a theistic universe. And if this is a theistic universe, then everything changes. It means that God is capable of breaking into this world. Indeed, he doesn't even have to break in because he is, his presence is everywhere. He fills, as the word of the scripture says, heaven and he fills the earth. He's here. God is real. But the paradox is we cannot reach him on our own. Do you understand that? He's out of sight. He's immaterial. He's out of reach. 
You can't reach out and grab him. You can't put him into test tube. You can't even approach him because it says he dwells in an unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. He's out of reach. Oh, we know that God will display himself at the proper time. We know that he will manifest his presence. But the humbling thing is that while we are able to accept the reality of God, if we have an open mind, we still need to know him personally. That's why John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God. Is that the end of it? No. The only God who is in the Father's side, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. He has shown him. The big question, what is God like? The best answer, look at Jesus. If you're wondering tonight, who is God? What does he look like? Well, Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, has declared him. So God is real. We can't reach him, but God delights to show himself. He's not just the God who is far, far away. He's the God who is also close by. Have a look, if you want to do some further study on this, have a look at Jeremiah 23. Read the context. It's talking about the false prophets who were prophesying emptiness and lies. And God says in Jeremiah 23, verse 21, I did not send these prophets, those prophets, yet they ran. I didn't speak to them, yet they prophesied. But here it is. Listen to this. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people. And they would have turned them away from the evil way and from the evil of their deeds. God is so ready to speak to us if only we would listen. Let me throw this out. I don't know where this will fall tonight, but maybe there are, are some people here who just need the Holy Spirit stirring in that prophetic ministry that God is giving you. And if you are called into his presence, the only thing else you need is to humble yourself and say, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. In fact, as we enter into the Easter week and we go into our time of prayer and intercession over the weekend, that's what we're going to be doing. When we come before God, the highest forms of prayer is not just listing the desires of our heart, but also saying, Father, what would you have us do? Speak for your servant hears. He, he's a God who's close by, and he will speak. So it says in Jeremiah 23, the next couple of verses, to 23 to 24, says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord? And the answer is yes, and not a God afar off. Yes. Verse 24, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? 
Oh yes, he is God who is so amazingly exalted, infinitely above all that we can see and touch and think and feel. His ways are higher than our ways. But he's not just a God outside of it all, a God that you cannot reach. He is a God who's drawn close by, and he is the God. The word for this, his presence, is everywhere presence. We use the word imminence. He's not just transcendent, exalted above and outside of our universe. He is a God who is ever-present within our universe. And and even more than that, he manifests his presence. He shows himself particularly when we come before him with a lowly heart. Not just, I'm not saying lonely heart, in case you get it, but this isn't a lonely hearts club, but God is near the lonely. Lowly, lowly. And sometimes you don't know how to be lowly, you soon become lonely. He dwells with the lowly and the contrite. I love it, bringing these two thoughts together, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. That's the great exalted God who is exalted infinitely above and beyond the physical universe is the same God who goes on to say, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. Oh, I tell you what, humble yourself. And I don't don't mean that in some pious external religious way. I mean genuinely come with a pure, humble heart before God and say, God, I humble myself before you. Will you come? Will you show yourself in my life? He comes to those who wait patiently. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. This is the potter, potter passage. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, out of the what? Potter, potter. I learned that. I've never forgotten. I learned that in West Africa. This lady was giving her testimony about God delivered her from the miry bog. She said, he took me from the potter, potter. <laughs> Anybody know what that means? Okay, go and get a hundred Nigerians and celebrate. Out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. It all began with, I waited patiently, patiently for the Lord. That is so, so difficult. But when we know the times and the seasons of God and we we don't come with him in a spirit of impatience and say, God, I hand this over to you. But I know, Lord, in your way and in your time, you're going to come through for me. You're going to show me yourself. And so all of that is is a kind of introduction to our prayer time. Don't introduction to the message. It's okay. The message is nearly done. But the introduction to the prayer time. I don't know what your need is. is, This would become a very, very long list. I'm going to cut it short. But if you ever, ever want to know these scriptures... Either go to your own concordance or I'll I'll send them to you. God delights to show himself. He delights to show his power. He delights to show his ways. 
His mercy, His greatness, His steadfast love and faithfulness, His purity, His salvation, His glory, His kindness. He loves to show us things to come. He loves to show us His holiness and He loves to show us the immeasurable riches of His grace. Take a list like that and you will not be in any doubt whatsoever. You are included in that list. But as we come to pray for you tonight, I want to land at this particular point. Because one of the ways in which God manifests himself, and it's one of the chief ways, is through his body, the church. And as the body of Christ, Jesus manifests himself to one another, through one another. And this is a very important part of our New Covenant privilege, our New Testament privilege. They never had it like this in the Old Testament. We're talking about the manifestations or manifestation of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now that word manifestation, you could equally translate it the showing of the Spirit. In fact, I think that it was Don Carson who wrote a book on the gifts of the Spirit entitled The Showing of the Spirit. The Spirit loves to manifest himself. He loves to show himself. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. And there's a whole list of around 12 of them, these nine, nine of them, gifts of the Spirit. And the ministry team have been told to be, make sure that they are filled with the Spirit. Look at them crookedly and they'll manifest tonight (laughs) as the Spirit leads. And so when this, this kind of ministry of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, never is the fullness of what there is available, but always just enough which is sufficient for our need. That's why tonight when you come forward for prayer, it may be that God will manifest himself upon you. It may be that he'll manifest himself through you. But one thing I'm sure of is he will manifest himself to you.